Hello, boys and ghouls, and welcome to episode 45, our very special Christmas episode. So come in, come in, and know me better, man, as we are visited by a Killer Santa sequel, a Santa in space, space, space. and a special call that's coming from inside the house. So be good, for goodness sake, as we present a very Boys and Ghouls Christmas. Hey, Marshall. Uh, for the purposes of your uh, podcasting now, are you Cat Wells? I think I am. All right. So uh, now and forever, this is Marshall Hicks. And this is Cat Wells. And this is Boys and Ghouls. And we are here to uh, bring you our Christmas episode, our second episode having to deal with Christmas spookery. Then Santa Claus can drive his sleigh, Santa Claus can drive his sleigh, Santa Claus can drive his sleigh over the housetop high. Our previous one was Sleigh Bells Ring, which I think we'll be referring to quite a bit, because in that one, if nothing else, we watched and discussed Silent Night, Deadly Night. And this time around, uh, we both saw Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So do you want to just uh, jump in with that one? Why not? Santa Claus is coming to your town, and he knows who's been naughty and who's been nice. Hold on tight for the sequel that'll chill you through your very soul. Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 2. I decided to watch Part 2 because I re-listened to our Sleigh Bells Ring episode and was re-experiencing our super fun conversation about Silent Night, Deadly Night. And, um, Check it out, people. Yeah. It was super fun. It was super fun. Trust me. And I, over the last few years, after showing it to you, Silent Night, Deadly Night, mm-hmm. it's really become a staple for me. I used to watch it as a kid, but rediscovering it with you, it's now become a complete staple. I love it so much. Awesome. My brother and I used to watch part two when I was a kid, and I remember, you know, the famous line, garbage day, and I remember, that's all I remembered. Uh, I, know, I watched it just today for the first time ever, uh-huh. and I know why. Yeah, That's uh-huh. about all you would remember about part two, because watching part two is like watching part one. Well, at least for the first 41 minutes 41 minutes out of an hour and a half movie. Yeah, almost exactly half of the movie is almost purely flashback sequences to literal footage of the first film. Yeah. L- Baby Ricky from the first film is the lead of the second film, and he's talking to a psychiatrist because we understand he's done some bad things. We don't know what yet. Mm-hmm. And so the first almost 45 minutes of the movie is him explaining all the things that happened to his brother in the first movie. Yeah. Let me tell you about my brother. And I was like, okay, they'll recap for like 10 minutes, and then we'll get into his thing. And, and then we'll you're checking your watch going, uh, are we still? keeps going. <laughs> yes. I read originally that's all that like the owners of the film wanted to do. They hired a creative team and said, take part one and recut it as if it's being told by a, the whole thing is like the lunatic ravings of a lunatic. Yeah. 
And then somebody said, well, let's just shoot some new footage. And, you know, I was reflecting on it, trying to think, you know, why my brother had a passions for this film. My brother, I'm realizing now, tended to have so a passion. So much of it was just part one. Well, I know. Why not just have the passion for part one? And I'm wondering how much, if any, of part one he saw. Maybe we only watched part two, I don't know. But given the fact, I also remember him having a passion for a movie called Night of the Demons. Sure. In which there was a very loud-mouthed, sarcastic, foul-mouthed character. I think... What appealed to my brother and probably myself about Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2 was that Ricky's character is absolutely, outrageously, over-the-top, sarcastic, defiant, and asshole-ish. He's a big old jerk. With every line he says. Really? Well, maybe we're just jerking off here then. I'm sure you read this piece of IMDb trivia that his eyebrows move up and down 130 times. 130 Still a lot. If you have seen this movie, you know exactly what we're talking about. And I guess I could see people having an affection for the sheer weirdness of this movie. It's, it's so strange, especially if you've seen the first one plenty. And you not go, terribly Why? Christmassy. No, not like the first one is. They give you a little subtitle in the beginning saying Christmas Eve. And then all you can hear outside is the Twitter of springtime bird songs. I noticed later in the movie he's walking down the street on his big rampage, and there's a... Oh, that's kind of short sh- sleeves weather, by the yeah. way. Yeah, oh yeah, and there's a shot of him from below, and it's just nothing but palm trees, palm trees, palm trees behind him. Yeah. Which, whatever. But yeah, the, that's the first a really one good was point. in Utah. It yeah. had a lot of wonderful snow. It did. And the second one, less so. Hmm. Where's the uh, snow? This is supposed to be America's snow playground. Let's explain to the listeners Garbage Day. Just because, like, just a quick Google. You write, like, Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. Uh-huh. And then quickly under it, it'll be like, Garbage Day. Yes, that's always and the first thing to And you mentioned it to up. me, mm-hmm. the Garbage Day line. <laughs> I remembered it very clearly. So I'm like, oh, here it comes. I see the trash cans. Uh-huh. And... It's not a funny line on its own, but his delivery. His delivery is what does it. It's just like, garbage day. Exactly. Garbage day. Huh? No. It's like he's mocking the guy for taking out his garbage. Yeah. What the heck? He just hates everyone for doing whatever they're doing at that given time. Look at that. You know? Look at that jerk taking out his garbage like some kind of a jerk. Yeah, exactly. Who does he think he is? Oh, garbage day, pow. I mean, I've felt that way about people before, but you don't see me going on a rampage. True. (laughs) (laughs) This got dark. (laughs) Should I be giving you credit for that? Yeah. No. Well done. (laughs) Well done. You aren't a murderer. I I wish we had some kind of a system set up for just like, how good the movie is, is of course subjective, but... How Christmassy it is. Eh, let's yeah, let's call you... this one two and a half candy canes, which if you were to visualize it, would be two complete candy canes and then just the hook part. Are we out of five? Eh, maybe nine. Uh, you know what? At let's all. say, okay, if we're doing out of five, if we're going Christmassy, purely because the first like 40 minutes of the movie are Christmassy flashbacks, I'm with you on the two and a half candy canes. Sure. Okay. But it doesn't put me in the spirit, though. Do you want to talk about Santa Claus Conquers the Martians? 
Yes. Yeah. Usually the old schlock comes from this side of the mic, but this time it came from you. What brought it on? Well, I was in a 99 cent store around the holidays, Mm -hmm. and probably five years ago I dug into a DVD bin and found two things. One was a DVD of Christmas cartoons that I've shown you some of. My two favorite ones there are the Christmas Comes But Once a Year. It's the one with the orphanage. Yeah. And these are both cartoons from the the 20s and 30s, yeah. And then the other one is Somewhere in Dreamland, which is about these poor kids who go to sleep in their tatters and rags and dream about a land made of food and then wake up and the town has brought them food. As long as we're talking about this DVD of sure. cartoon classics, there's a Russian one. Oh, yeah, you and I watched that one. I don't. I think I only watched it the once with you. Well, that one really stayed with me because... In it, there's like a little boy in Russia, and it was made by Russians for Russian children at Christmas. And he dreams that Sputnik takes him to his father, because his father's stationed like far away. And like he gets to like ride on the back of Sputnik. Yeah. So it's like, glorious Sputnik will bring you glorious Christmas. Meanwhile, as I explored novelty Christmas music, I came across Sheb Woolley's follow-up to his Halloween hit. If your Halloween hit's big enough... Sometimes you make a Christmas hit out of sure. it. Sure. Just like uh, the Monster Mash got a Christmas version. Monster's Holiday. Monster's Holiday. The Flying Purple People Eater song got a Christmas follow-up wherein evil Sputnik crashes into Santa's sleigh and it's up to the one-eyed, one-horned Flying Purple People Eater to go up and go, get out of here, Sputnik. Grab that Sputnik by the tail, swung it around and let it sail. Said, you stay away from Santa's sleigh. And Santa's like, you saved the day. Purple people eater. Purple people eater. Are you serious? Yeah, so, um, <laughs> boy, there was a real, real divide on uh, <clears throat> what kind of good Sputnik could do you for Christmas. Wow. I'm floored. Okay. Yeah. So, yes, that DVD of cartoon Christmas classics. So, in um, addition to that. In addition to that, I, I picked up a second DVD, which was this DVD of Santa Claus Conquers the Martians, because it looked so ridiculous that I couldn't not buy it. So, I've had that DVD, never watched it. Mm. However, I was looking around on my various streaming platforms looking for horror Christmas things to watch for this podcast. And I came across, on Hulu, an Elvira's movie macabre featuring Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. Perfect. Tell me, is it true that this year there's a rumor that you're going to use a rocket sled? No, sorry. We're going out the good old-fashioned way with my reindeer. Prancer and Dancer and Thunder and Blitzen and Vixen and Nixon. Uh... Nixon, oh, I get, oh, I always con it. I get those names mixed up, but the kids know their names. <laughs> the other experience of this was that when I was maybe 30 minutes from the end of it, and it was kind of a slog, I had posted a picture from it on my Facebook and my Instagram, and this guy who I only know because of, he wrote an article on CNN.com about Alec and I, about our 
you know, engagement photo. engagement photo in our proposal video. And so we're now friends on Facebook. And he posted a link to the Mystery Science Theater 3000 Why you version. didn't just go directly to that was beyond me. Because I'm I'm a little bit obsessive and I couldn't just transition you, when you, I was you, that far a, into the movie. A Santa Claus Conquers the Martians purist. Exactly. And honestly, if I'd had the time and if the movie were better, I would have just gone, well, I'll just watch it all over again and just do the MST3K version. But I didn't. I needed to finish it with Elvira. She did make it more palatable, but I have a feeling that MST3K would have been infinitely more palatable. And that is the job of the horror hosts. Yes. To be there with you, to take that bit of schlock and say, we're in this one together. Well, and Elvira, even one of the funny jokes she says at the outset is like, this movie's a real clunker. Which, obviously, she says that about a lot of the things she hosts. But Mm -hmm. she's like... But, you know, when we were looking to do a Christmas thing, there just aren't that many Christmassy horror movies. So this is what you're stuck with. Sorry about it. Here we go. <laughs> was yeah. kind of the tone of it, which I thought was pretty cute. Grandma, what is a doll? I don't know, Grandma. What is tender loving care? I don't know either. Grandma, Grandma, I told you not to watch those silly Earth programs. There's a problem on Mars. And the problem on Mars is that the, the kids, they've moved away from a society where kids are allowed to play and everything's work, work, work. And the kids have, like, sort of dropped off. They've stopped eating. They've become very listless. Yeah, in part because they're watching American television and seeing uh, it's nearing the Earth holiday season. and they're as seeing, Christmas. Yeah, they're seeing Santa Claus on television. And it makes them sad because they're, like, adults trapped in little kids' bodies, and they just go to sleep listening to, like, schematics and math problems, and they don't have anything fun to do, and they're very sad, and they won't eat their dinner pills. Yeah. Food is not food on Mars. Food is you pills. Know, at, at the same time, you know, Russia was really <laughs> focusing their entire, like, child's education program towards creating rocket scientists mm. and astronauts. Space race. Space race. I, all part of the space race. And I really don't want to credit Santa Claus Conquers the Martians with being anything more than it actually is. Mm-hmm. But considering it came out in 64, yeah, maybe it was. Maybe the Martians, like in so many other movies, was just a uh, big old metaphor for uh, the communist threat. Sure. Well, and you and I have talked about this before. Even when something wasn't necessarily intending to be that pointed, sometimes it just pulls things out of the ether because due to when it was made and what's in the air at the time. So, Something is happening to the children of Mars. Kima, as leader of the Martians, you must do something about it. I know. But what? Why don't you go to the forest and see Chochem, the ancient one? He'll know what to do. The wisest and oldest Martian says that because the children are in such a bad state, they need to be children. They need Santa Claus. And he's seen this coming for years. He's like, I knew this would happen. Yeah, well, way to speak up. Right? Thanks a lot for nothing. I don't know his name. Old wise man. Yeah. So they send out a mission to Earth to uh, go capture Santa. little confusion because there's so many Santa Clauses on every street corner. Mm Mm-hmm. Then they um, pick up a couple of kids, and the kids are like, well, Santa's at the North Pole. So they're like, okay, well, now you're coming with me because you're a liability, Earth boy and Earth girl. Mm -hmm. They go. They use a robot to capture Santa. There's a little bit where those kids run away, and there's the fakest polar bear. Oh, my God. A man in a bear suit. Total man in a bear suit. I think I, I think I yelped out loud in public. Like I'm, I think I was watching this on my phone. 
eating lunch somewhere and exclaimed involuntarily at how ridiculous this <laughs> polar bear looked. Looks. I did definitely. And it was tempting to like point at my screen and go, no, 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 I'm sorry. Everybody, look at this. Look at this polar bear <laughs> We're expected to believe this is a polar bear? Deeply funny. <laughs> Santa's actually pretty on board with the idea of uh, making toys for the, the children He just Mars. says, but just get me back to Earth soon, because it's almost Christmas, but sure, I'll help you out. I'll get yeah. you set up. No I want to get you a factory up and running so you can make your toys. This whole robot freeze ray thing, not necessary. Yeah. Although there is a mustache, that's how we can tell him apart from the other green man. Yes, he Martian, was evil. Who's like, we don't need children acting like children, we need children doing math. We don't want dumb kids who so, are happy and smiling. Plan A is to just murder Santa and the children by putting them in the airlock. Not Which he unlike, has every intention to do. He does. Yeah. They escape. And then later tries to uh, kidnap Santa. But it's really droppo. I can't explain how dumb. I was shaking my head in disbelief at how stupid it was that just because Droppo finds Santa's extra suit and puts it on... And his extra beard? Yes. Why would he have an extra beard? <laughs> right? Is that his fake beard? Whatever. Mystery Science Good pointed point. that out. Okay, I didn't notice that. And I was like, I oh yeah. That's very silly. Why would he have an extra beard? And the fact that they couldn't see his green skin and face as Drop. I love how a beard just makes people not know who you are. <laughs> and the fact that, like, Droppo is wearing Santa's hat, like, askew on his head where his antenna... His antenna I mean, helmet. how do you... Oh, it hurts. It hurts that they don't recognize and then they go, ha-ha, we've got Santa. We both really should have watched this, like, age three. I know. And then we would have such fond memories of it. Yeah. Here's some uh, nice trivia, as opposed to all the mean bastard trivia. <laughs> it is the first portrayal, I guess. It said live action, but then it also compared itself to Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Rudolph is, came out which is stop weeks motion. later, Just I think. Just a few weeks later, but Santa Claus Conquers a Martian beat them to the punch of portraying Mrs. Claus. That's nutty to me. There wasn't a Mrs. Claus on film before 1964. It blows my mind. Guess not. I have to point out Droppo, the kind of comic relief dumbhead. With a name of, like Droppo, what else could with you With a be? name like Droppo. He was striking a chord in me. I was like, why does this guy seem familiar? I'm trying to like mentally... Ungreen his face. Yeah, exactly. His name is Bill McCutcheon. And okay. what I know him from, Steel Magnolias, which I know that you might... Do you know who... He, what character he if was, he was in that Steel age Magnolias? in the 60s, maybe uh, not Wheezy, but the uh, Olympia Dukakis, did she have a husband? So it's not Wheezy, it's Weezer. Shame on you. And he plays Owen Jenkins, the old school chum of Weezer's that they try to set her, reset her up with. Ah. He's kind of dopey and kind of silly, but they end up together. It's really cute. Because he, she's so brash. She is. And he says, hello, Louisa, remember me? Do you look exactly the same? She goes, I'm not as sweet as I used to be. But he weasels his way in, and they wind up kind of companions by the end of the movie, which is so cute. But anyway, I was like, oh, my God, it's Owen Jenkins. A.K.A. Droppo. A.K.A. Droppo. Ho, 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 everybody! 
everybody. Merry Christmas! <laughs> uh, you don't need me here, Kimar. You've got a wonderful Santa Claus of your own. Yeah. <laughs> ho, ho, ho! <laughs> we interrupt this program for a special announcement. A man described as a homicidal maniac has escaped from the hospital for the criminally insane. He is six foot three inches tall and may be wearing a Santa Claus costume. The video game that lets you help E.T. get home. Just in time for Christmas. All residents of the county are warned to be on the lookout for this man. I got the most expensive tree they had! Tis the night before Christmas and here in my pad, I'm cooling it. Hanukkah. Thank you, Bob. And a Merry Christmas to you. Black Christmas. Starring Olivia Hussey, Kid Juley, Margot Kidder, and starring John Saxon as Lieutenant Fuller. If this movie doesn't make your skin crawl, it's on too tight. Uh, Kat, for the first time, both of us watched 1974's Black Christmas. Yes, we did. I was interested in this just because it's the same director as A Christmas Story. And it's Bob Clark, who I could go on and on and on about A Christmas Story. Yeah. Hey, Park, what is that? Don't bother me now, sweet. Can't see I'm busy. Yeah, but what is that? It's a major award. So let's go on about Black Christmas. Yes, let's. We've talked from time to time. Something will get the label, sometimes erroneously, as being a feminist horror film. This one, I think, part just because of when it was released, 74, right on the heels of our country's larger feminist movement, mm -hmm. set in a sorority, which I don't know if sororities had the reputation they would later get in the 80s of just being like, as far as sororities in films. Uh-huh. Soror as being giggle fests with vapid women yeah. in them? Yeah, you put this word sorority in front of any title, and it just means, I'm going to see some boobs. yeah. You guys should come to our sorority party tonight for a hot game of uh, Strip Twister. Strip Twister? Now, maybe it's because it's sweater weather. When this one takes place, there's no nudity. No sweater puppies. Yeah. Yeah. Sex is alluded to mm. all over the place. Sex is a huge... Yeah. Uh -huh. in, in, and the consequences the of sex. And one of the phases of uh, being liberated, I think, is potty mouth. Sure. You know? Yeah. I don't think it's one of the lasting effects of sexual liberation, but I think anytime you get shook loose, there's going to be that potty mouth period. Can I speak to that for a moment? Specifically about Margot Kidder? Sort of. Every chance she gets? Well, yes, definitely. There's that. But first of all, I want to set us up in case people haven't seen this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, all I said was sorority house. Just to say that this movie is set at Christmas time at a sorority house, and... The girls have been getting a series of obscene phone calls. Now, what I thought was interesting, and I think maybe speaks to your point about potty mouth and liberation, is that I had the conscious thought when I was watching this. Towards the beginning of the movie, the phone rings, someone answers it, and uh, it is their obscene caller. And they're like, oh, he's on the line. And they all gather around to yeah. listen. And he's saying some really intensely, shockingly sexual things. It's me again, Margaret. What struck me watching this movie, I had no knowledge of anything about the movie at all. Mm -hmm. So this is happening, and he's saying, 
a lot of shocking to me. Are you naked? And I exist in You're 2015. You're a modern woman. So, but what what struck me in watching it was that the girls listening were, yeah, sure, like a little nervous that they were getting such a creepy phone At that call. Point, they were being entertained. But I felt like. They were all acting much less shocked than I would have thought they would based on the things that were being said. And what I learned later is that the extreme filth of that phone call was dubbed in later. What they were hearing on set and reacting to is not what we hear as the audience watching that. The effect of which is that these girls are a little... They appear jaded. They appear a bit jaded. Because what you're hearing isn't what they heard. Yeah. I was just going to comment that their reaction was mostly based on that previous to that phone call, all the phone calls we didn't get to hear, mm. it was just sort of more standard moaning. Right. They even called him. I think they were like, it's the moaner. The moaner. And then, but everything starting with this call just sounds like a nightmare put on tape. I cannot tell you how disturbed I still am right now. Yeah. At those phone calls throughout and there, that was movie. More than one person doing it. It was supposed to be like one person having like a breakdown with like different voices. Yeah. And like multiple personalities, which is why they got like a man and a woman to do the phone call voice. But yeah, and the quality and the tone of the voice and the things that are being said and the way it all sounds. There were moments where I just sat agape, like mouth open watching this movie going, this is some of the most terrifying stuff I've ever. And it's just noises. Yeah. So scary. Yeah. It is really scary. Now, to the Christmas part of this Black Christmas, I heard yeah. it was originally called Stop Me. Yeah. And I don't know when they added the Christmas element to it. It's sort of like Halloween was originally the babysitter murders, mm -hmm. and then someone was like, set it at Halloween. Yeah. This feels like it really didn't have to be set at Christmas. No, but I felt like they used, I mean, I might give it three and a half to four candy canes simply because of what for me pushes it over the edge is the murder scene with uh, oh come all ye faithful the carolers singing covering up the sounds of yeah the upstairs that to me gives it at least a candy cane all of its own like okay. just that scene and i think just sort of trying to keep it christmasy from time to time they would just sort of put the tree in the shot yeah to be like hey folks remember right christmas not to put too fine a point on it and this isn't really the kind of Christmas you're talking about. But we do have a pregnant woman, like Mary. <laughs> Hello. I mean, she, this is no virgin birth. but I'm um, sorry, but I think this pregnant a... woman was a bit of a hussy. <laughs> there you go. That is the text that I meant to send to you after you oh, sent me the gif wow. of actress Olivia Hussey. Uh -huh. <laughs> You sent me a gif of her, like, opening the door to Carol. Yeah. And, like, hours and hours later, I was like, ugh, I should have wrote what a hussy. Missed it. Yeah. <laughs> what a gorgeous Christmas hussy. Yeah. Wow. Olivia Hussey, Margot Kidder, and... A lot of Canadian actors and actresses. Th yeah. And if you didn't know it was Canadian, wait until you meet the hockey-playing boyfriend. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, okay, this is, this yeah. is totally filmed in Canada. Uh, Andrea Martin of SCTV. I'd like to speak to you about something that means a great deal to me. Protection. Feminine protection. And I like that. I've only known her in comedies outside of this. And she came back for the remake. She plays the house mother. Oh, fun. I so, love things like that. So, so then you get, well, this is where Christmas really contributes, which is people going home for Christmas. You don't know who's been murdered. You don't know who's been just left early, you know, or didn't say goodbye. Yep. 
or you say goodbye, but then the person you say goodbye to, they leave. Yep. And no one's got cell phones. And, and at the beginning, it's like a party. People are drinking. Like, there's a lot of confusion. Sure. Well, And it's the 70s. To the, to the 70s. Well, you said nobody has a cell phone. And to their lack of cell phones, tracing a call was like a big, that big old deal. was really delightful. That was one of the things I enjoyed the most about this movie. And by the way, for the record, completely obsessed with this movie. I will own it on Blu-ray. I will watch it every year. I can't believe I went this long without seeing this movie. But one of the things I loved the I most about it. I was just going to talk about the phone company for a while. Yeah. But forget it. What oh, is, has wrapped you up like I this? I just. Is the characters? The yes. Scenario? It's, it's, I think it's so ambient. For me, it was very Christmassy. The lights. I love, love, love the music. I, I As I texted to my friends, to Matthew and Daniel and Nick, it sounds to me like someone falling down on a piano, like the music a lot of yes. times, which the composer talks in, in the behind the scenes about how he got that sound. And he like, well, there's a whole scene of the guy smashing <clears throat> the piano. Yeah. And I thought that was to like, keep him a suspect. Yes, definitely. That was almost like his theme. Yes, definitely. Cause there's a, a character who's a, a, going to the conservatory at the college and he doesn't get the approval, whatever he needed. I don't know what it's like going to conservatory. Well, he's also upset because she told him his girlfriend, uh, Olivia Hussey, said she would show up for his recital. First of all, right. she says, I'm pregnant and it's your baby and I don't want to keep it. I'm going to have an abortion. Also, I'll see you at your recital later, then doesn't show up. And he's stressed out after his recital and that's when he's beating the piano. Says me right for not being musical. When you do hear that sort of piano getting smashed noise, it reminds you of a smashed piano. Yeah. Which he does do in one scene. Definitely. And I think I just uh, responded so much to what you were speaking to earlier about the lack of sex. No, I enjoy a good sex scene and boobies in horror movies as much as the next person. I'm a horror fan. I, I... One tends to follow the other. Mm-hmm. But I was impressed by the characters in this movie. They all felt really real. I loved Olivia Hussey's storyline. She's a girl who is sexually active and smart and liberated and has career goals and doesn't want to have a baby right now. And I just think she's such an interesting kind of flawed, but we root for her kind of character. As opposed to them being the de facto virgin. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she's not some pure, innocent girl. You know, she's she's had some sex. She's, you know, she's dealing with a very, with a situation a lot of women find devastating. And she's like, well, it's less than ideal, but um, it's just not in my plans well, right like, now. Well, you marry me. And she's like, well, remember all the stuff I wanted to do? Yeah. I still want to do it. Because he was talking about leaving the conservatory. Correct, yeah. And marrying He's like, her. yeah, that's fine. Let's change our plans. I've been here eight years at this conservatory, but I'll leave. Let's get married. She's like, mm, what? Yeah. <laughs> Why would we derail all the hard work we've... Which is so forward-thinking and, and wonderfully phrased all those years ago, which I love. And I just think some of it is just the pure imagery of, like, the girl with the... I think her name is Claire... With the plastic bag wrapped around her, just sitting Which, in the window in the attic, rocking back and forth. The whole trailer is just like a slow zoom in on the house and then <sighs> to the window, then through the window to her. I love it so much. And I'd see that on the posters and I'm like, boy, they're really, really pushing this one kill. Yeah. Which is like the girl in the rocking chair with like the plastic bag that's kind of like sucked in for her final breath that never got an exhale. I now realize part of it's being iconic is that no one ever finds that body and it's at the end of the film no there. one ever finds that body 
And she's the first kill, if I'm not wrong. No, she definitely is. And no one knows she's gone. No one goes up the attic to look for her. So just from time to time, in case you weren't properly frightened. Here's a shot of the cat licking her dead face. Yeah, or like the killer rocking the rocking chair. And talking to... So, Marshall, it's so, so disturbing. This is... I... I just, I love it so much. It's so messed up. Yeah. You're describing, like, God, I love it. And that's a character whose father is then looking for her. Yes. And he's in the His, house. <laughs> her poor father having to listen to Margot Kidder's drunken musings on Animal turtle sex. sex. Yeah. <laughs> so, so much fun. Did you know that there's a certain species of turtle? There's a certain species of turtle. That can screw for three days without stopping. And then, just being someone who's seen Halloween about a million times, I responded very strongly to the end of the movie where, I mean, I guess this goes without saying, but spoiler alert. Sure. Um, it's in 74 people. Yeah. Get together. <clears throat> yeah, see the movie. where We just watched it this <laughs> year. Olivia Hussey is... The cops have all left. The, there's hustle and bustle. She's killed her boyfriend. Believing because him to he, be the killer. Yeah, she thought he was the killer. They've sedated her. She's knocked out. They cut the lights out. They walk out of the room, and it's just quiet. You can hear a clock ticking. And the camera starts panning across the house, and it's empty, and it's empty. And I was reminded of the ending moments of Halloween where there are all these shots of the different rooms that we've mm. been in and we see the things the plate we're remembering the things that happened in those rooms obviously Halloween came four years later after this movie uh, quality but I, invoking quality yes and I also really loved the ending credits of how this film ends on just a ringing phone right and I can't wait to watch this movie again I loved it so much did you love it I liked it. You liked it. I was. I want to see the remake. I've I've heard really divergent opinions on it. It has a lot more fun. I've heard it's gorier. Um, it gets into the backstory, mm-hmm. and again, I only watched the beginning, which I don't usually love when they just pile on backstory we don't need. Because one of the things I love the most about the original is how we literally never see the killer's face. You have to maybe infer what his backstory is because they don't give you much. And well, I love that. Let's just say. You've had enough of that. Now you're going to get a movie with a lot of backstory. Right. I will watch it. I think I will watch it. To the telephone company? Yeah. Today with caller ID, all of those scenes just can't function anymore. You know, it is interesting to see yeah, what goes on. To the watch phone someone at the phone company running through the stacks trying to buy sound. Isn't that what he was doing? Like, he's like trying to find. Physically, Literally, like which exchanges are being flipped? Yeah, when they're tracing the call, so. fascinating. There, there's a lot of moving parts where you don't really know what they do, but you know that he does. Right, and whether you know exactly how it works or not, you can feel the tension. You can feel the urgency. They've they've said it multiple times. Like you've got to keep him on the phone, and he's yeah. running through trying to trying to trace it. And it's one of those things where like it had to be filmed at the phone company because <clears throat> you could never duplicate like right. that kind of mechanism. And I also just have to mention John Saxon. Yeah. Who is in Black Christmas, who I will forever and always know as the father and cop from Nightmare on Elm Street, 10 years later. Yes. But, which I saw first and many, many, many times. So when I was watching, I mean, I can't stress to you enough how little I knew about Black Christmas. So I'm watching the opening credits and I'm like, oh, oh, John Saxon. John Saxon. He looks mostly the same. 
10 years, yeah. 10 years earlier. But I thought he was really charming and memorable. That was one of the relationships that was really compelling to me was his interactions with Olivia Hussey and like how much he seemed to care. Even his reaction to like overhearing her say on the phone, she's talking to her boyfriend and he's listening in because they've tapped the phone and he's like, you can't kill the baby, whatever. And, and then he's asking her like, what was that about? And she tells him I'm pregnant. And he's like, well, he's got some pretty strong language. Is he pretty high strong? Like he's listening to her say like, I'm probably going to abort the baby. And he's like, oh, okay, so your boyfriend's me, pretty upset about let that. Let me use uh, that huh? as a clue in my case. And he doesn't overreact to it of like, honey, are you sure that's what you want to do? He's just like, he's just listens to her problem, which I love. If you haven't seen this and you're listening, if you haven't watched Black Christmas, I you know maybe I'm hanging well, around how, the wrong how did people. You watch it? <laughs> well, I was just gonna say maybe you, I'm. Cat loves Black Christmas so much she's rethinking her choices of friends. Well, I'm just wondering why I've never been pressured by anyone I know to watch this before, and some of my friends who who are, in my opinion, more well versed in horror than I am, haven't seen it, and I've been pressured. I'm like, you guys need to watch this movie. What it did later was done. Not necessarily better, but more fun mm-hmm. and more accessible. I get that. And so Black Christmas kind of got left behind a little bit. And I think while I don't think it's the best movie ever, I do think it is incredibly solid and required viewing for Plus, horror fans. The problem with, with some Christmas <clears throat> movies is you don't want to watch them the rest of the year. Mm, right. That's why it took so long for me to see Rocky Horror. I wanted to see it around Halloween. I thought it would be like a nice Halloween thing. So that excluded 10 months of the year for me, Mm, mm -hmm. minimum. And that's why it took me so long to finally get around to seeing it. Sure, I get it. Yeah, it's not like in June I'm going to go... Let's watch Black Christmas. Finally watch Black Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very good point. I only watch Adam's Family Values in November. Don't beat yourself up. Right. Even though it's a summer... Whatever. Thank you for telling me not to beat myself up. I appreciate (laughs) it. And uh, I watched it on YouTube. You did? Yeah. What? Oh, yeah. I rented it from a video store because I couldn't find it anywhere, and I didn't even think to look on YouTube because I figured if it's not on Hulu or Netflix, it's not going to be on YouTube. Oh, my God. You had to go to one of the last video stores in L.A. I did. I went to Vidiots in Santa Monica. Go Vidiots. Okay. I'm, you know, I'm not even mad. You ruined my Christmas. Please, God, not on Christmas. I had a strange feeling, Batman, as if... As if visions of sugar plums were dancing in my head. Join Johnny and June Carter Cash. Their guests Roy Clark, Jerry Lee Lewis, Roy Orbison, and Carl Perkins as they relive some of the most important Christmases in Johnny's life. If you can't trust Santa, whom can you trust? Uh, so, Kat, one of the problems that we're coming up while trying to find Christmas horror is a lot of horror, but not as much Christmas as we'd always like. Mm-hmm. I went on a, a little bit of a hunt through a, some television, classic television, and I found a Alfred Hitchcock Presents episode called um, Back for Christmas, in which contains no Christmas. What? No Christmas in Back for Christmas. Proving your point. It mentions Christmas, and that's like the whole twist at the end. A guy 
After much suspense, murders his wife, and, spoiler alert for this old episode of television, <laughs> he then moves to America and, and like gets a job, and as far as anybody back home knows, his wife went with him. Mm. So in America, he's like, oh, I'm separate from my wife, and ta-da, he's killed his wife and gotten away with it. Yeah. He told her he was building out a wine cellar. As he's digging her grave. As he's digging her grave. (gasps) She is telling other people that she has a surprise for him that will bring them back for Christmas. And the surprise is he finds out he gets like a letter addressed to her from the contractor who's going to excavate their basement to build the wine cellar for him. Uh, And then he'd uh, come back. He'd go back at Christmas to see his new wine cellar, his present. uh Uh-huh. And it's like, oh, looks like I will be back for Christmas. In jail, presumably. Uh-huh. Like sure. that's he knows he's caught. By the time the letter has reached him in America, he knows he's done for. That he's, they've yeah. already found the body back right. in England. Right. And he's like, ah. Oh. And then he says the titular line and it ends. So And you were like, damn it. There was no Christmas. Christmas. Uh-huh. Zero candy canes. Damn it. Uh full marks for suspense. Mm-hmm. But zero candy canes. It sounds kind of thrilling. Yeah. Admittedly, the story you're about to read is bizarre, incredible. Those of you who wish to avoid being unsettled, who wish to avoid thinking, will label it insane. Then I watched an episode of Night Stalker. The episode is called The Werewolf, and it's all set on, like, a singles cruise ship. I think during the 70s, like, every show wanted to film on the Queen Mary at some point, so they would, like, Because it was there. Because it was there. Big and beautiful and... Yeah. Uh-huh. So they would invent some episode that brought them onto a very grand cruise ship. Yeah. And in this one, Kolchak has to go write an article about a singles cruise. So he's on the singles cruise. But there's a werewolf! But in the very beginning, there's a Christmas party at his newspaper. Can I ask how you came to this episode if... Google. Uh I just Googled Night Stalker Christmas. So you picked out different shows... Yeah. And we're like, lots of shows have a Christmas episode. Yeah, because when they air, if they start in September and then they go through like May, at some point they're going to encounter Christmas. Yeah. And that's a rather fun show. I've never seen an episode. Well, when you do watch Uh. the episode about the werewolf called The Werewolf, and it starts at a Christmas party, and then on this singles cruise, no mention of Christmas. Wow. You'd think there'd even be that sort of, like, ironic guy dressed as Santa being like, where's all the ladies at? Right. Just get that gag in. Or, you know, swingers and Santa hats. That kind of thing. Nothing. My belief is they had this episode already done and said, we need something Christmassy, so let's reshoot that beginning when Vincenzo finds out he can't go on the cruise and gives the tickets to Kolchak and set it at a Christmas party. (sighs) Done. In the can. Problem solved. Next episode. Wow. We're all geniuses. Sit, Ubu, sit. Good dog. (laughs) So, just researching for this episode, I'm just like, one candy cane, half a candy cane, and not even the hook. Yeah. You're down to candy stick. Stick. I've seen photographs of the original Adams Family show with, like, Carolyn Jones, Morticia, uh, dressed as Santa. And I'm like, oh, there's something there. So I went and looked that up, and I got all the Christmas I needed. Yay! 
First of all, it's Christmas time in, in the Adams family house. And Wednesday and Pugsley come and say that their neighbor told them there was no such thing as Santa. And the Adamses are like, of course there's such a thing as Santa. Remember when someone told you there was no such thing as witches? And then we brought over Aunt So-and-so. Adorable. To, yeah. What if Santa doesn't show up? After all, our children do have much more than they need. Could destroy their faith and everything. The astronauts have a backup team. We'll have a backup Santa Claus. So, and I saw this on an episode of I Love Lucy also. Individually, every member of the family decides to dress up like Santa and surprise the kids. Oh, boy. On Lucy, they all show up at once. In the Adams family, first, like, Gomez comes in through the window, gives the meat, like, he wants a bow and arrow set, she wants a doll. So she can later cut its head off. Yeah. Thanks, Santa. Thank, Thank you, you very, very much. much. Have fun, kids. Remember, there is a Santa Claus. Oh, 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 oh. Merry Christmas! And then Grandma comes in dressed as Santa and gets, they get the same thing. It's like, like, like when Ross is the holiday armadillo and Chandler's dressed as Santa. Yes, and then Joey's dressed as Superman. That's right. My favorite part was when Superman flew all the Jews out of Egypt. And then it's just great when Lurch is like, Santa. And they're like, but we've already got three gifts. Like, she's holding, like, more and more dolls. And yeah. he's holding, like, more and more bow and arrow sets. And Lurch is just like, Santa, give one gift. And then Cousin It comes and he's like... <laughs> And on and on, Morticia Adams, she's like, ho, ho, ho. Meanwhile, they're, oh, and Fester. Fester was going to do it first, but he got stuck in the chimney. This sounds adorable. It is all adorable. And then they had this, like, dead tree that they'd been using. That they're like, this Christmas tree has been in our family for years. <laughs> just this dead tree with just branches. Yeah. But now it is lush and live and covered in ornaments with presents around it. The real Santa must have gotten here while their bikes were turned. So it's like, oh, so there is a Santa. Yeah. Says Marshall. Yeah. Of <laughs> Watching course. this show. Yeah. So that's all I got, but that's all it takes. So much fun. Oh, Adam's family. Five candy canes. Good. Provided five was the number. Yeah. Five was the number. Good. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. When Christmas rolls around, who always comes to town? What a freak, he's so unique. The man with the mistletoe mustache, he only left. Uh, cat, you've seen uh, Batman Returns? Have I? The Batman set during Christmas time as with a Michelle kid, I, Pfeiffer. I have not seen it as an adult, but yes. As Catwoman, there's Sorry, a whole Ricky. exchange between Batman and Catwoman. They see some mistletoe, and it's like, you know, a mistletoe is deadly if you eat it. Random. Uh-huh. And then Catwoman is like, a kiss is deadlier if you mean it. And then when they see each other again, like at the costume party, where they're the only two not wearing costumes, but aren't they? Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. No, it's reversed. The other one says, uh, yeah, yeah, mistletoe is uh, deadly if you eat it. And then the other one's like, but kiss is deadlier if you mean it. And they're like, oh. and then you get the great line, Michelle, Fe- they start dancing again. Michelle Pfeiffer's like, does this mean we have to start fighting? <laughs> and then the penguin comes and it goes from there. So I looked it up. Uh, is mistletoe deadly if you eat it? 
I'm intrigued. Short answer? Yes. Oh. Depends on the type of mistletoe. I'm just like reading directly from something I printed out here. <laughs> because there are several species. But the uh, Phoradendron species contains a toxin called Phoratoxin, which can cause blurred vision, nausea, abdominal pain, diarrhea, which doesn't sound so great. That all know. sounds so sexy. Well, you know, if, if it was like Catwoman going like, you know, mistletoe can Causes cause diarrhea. Causes abdominal cramping and diarrhea. <laughs> and, you know, then he'd be like, oh, a kiss is a... Uh, Christopher Lee. Uh huh. Equals lots of things, but horror. Yes. Among them. Easily. Also, um, Vincent Price is another one. Mm hmm. And I found just the loveliest <clears throat> Christmas connection between the two just uh, today while I was uh, looking stuff up. Christmas! For many a time of cheer. For others, a cruel reminder that the bitter chill of winter is upon us. Christopher Lee, for several years, would put out a Christmas message. I could only find about four of them. 05, 11, 2012, and then his last one in 2013. And as you know, like he died this mm -hmm. year. Today is the 25th of December, 2012, and is consequently Christmas Day. So we have managed to survive the predictions of the Maya. Let's hope they didn't get the dates wrong. I wish you all not only, of course, a very happy Christmas with your families and loved ones, but also, which is more important, a very successful, safe new year. He kind of gives a year in review and there were shootings and like floods in America. And he, you know, sends out his best wishes. And then he'll talk about like whatever he had done that year, whatever you of his you could go and see, which included the Hobbit films. And like he had already shot all of his days in The Hobbit, but he was in parts one and three. And he's like, well, God willing, I'll be around for part three. And you're just like, I really hope you got to see it because... Yeah. He's there also hoping he'll get to see it. Oh, wow. And really go out of his way to stress how his character, because it's a prequel, was a good guy for the Hobbit films. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and wishes everyone, like, a Merry Christmas. And the British really perfected Christmas. Mm -hmm. Or maybe just Charles Dickens did. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But it's left me with anything British around this time of year just sort of ups the Christmassy feeling. Same. Yeah, of it all. definitely. I hope you all have a really bad Christmas. Yeah, because I don't recognize the celebration of Western consumerism right. In 2005, he sort of breaks down this, well, it's Merry Christmas for some and season's greetings for others who are not perhaps Christians. And you know, he really <laughs> breaks it down. How cute. Um, you know, if, if we all took just as long to do every Christmas greeting, yeah, we could cover everyone. But I was saying uh, I tried to start all this by tying him in with Vincent Price. Yeah. In more than one, he's wearing this, this hat 
this brimless cap with sort of like African type colors on it. And you're like, that's kind of odd, but whatever. But it's the first thing he talks about. He's like, you'll notice I'm wearing this hat. And that hat was willed to him by Vincent Price. That was Vincent Price's Christmas Day hat. <gasps> oh. Now, I don't know why that hat for Christmas Day for right. Vincent Price. got to be some kind of story behind it. But Christopher Lee wears it every Christmas Day or wore it every Christmas Day because his good friend Vincent Price gave it to him as a Christmas hat. Wow. And he's like, okay, put on the lid. That is really charming. Yeah, which leads me to wonder, who's got the hat right. now? Right, right. Did he uh, will it to somebody or did it all just you know, go to his wife? And is she wearing it on Christmas Day or is it just like in a box somewhere? You're like, I'll wear the hat. Yeah. Give it to me. You know, just for now, just for around the house, just yeah. for Christmas morning. Seasons <laughs> greetings from all back, from the vampires and black cats. Uh, Christmas morning for years, there's a bell that I'll wear. Really? Yeah. Alex's dad has a funny bow tie. Does it light up? It's like red and green. I don't think it lights up, but it definitely falls in the category of like novelty Christmassy bow tie. And he wears it every Christmas day. It's pretty charming. Yeah, it's odd how the traditions start, but once they get their hooks in you. Yeah. Be it a bell or a bow tie or Or two men who refuse to let anyone help them decorate their tree. I think you're referring to me and my dad. Yeah. Who put up a picture of bubble lights on our Christmas tree. Oh. As his Facebook profile picture. Did he? And I'm like, that, that, that picture's from last year, right? You didn't decorate the right. tree. You wouldn't do yet. that, would you? All right. Just undecorate it and then wait for me to fly in and yeah. then we'll both do it again. Yeah. So yeah, traditions. Christmas traditions. I guess that's my attempt at a wrap up. <laughs> Just saying, I think it's really sweet. Apparently not every year. Do we uh, do a Christmas episode? But um, I hope you enjoyed our second one. We enjoyed making it for you. Kat and I will be getting together a couple more times between now and uh, the uh, end of the Yuletide season. (laughs) At least once for our own tradition at this point, because we're sort of four or five years running now, of watching (laughs) the Jack Benny Christmas special. Yep. And I showed it to her once, and it's like we were both showing each other stuff. Like, you had the Beverly Hillbillies Christmas. And cartoons. You had dumb cartoons. cartoons. And I was like, well, I got this uh, Jack Benny thing. You know where I found it? 99 cent store. And, uh, hey, it features a girl we know's grandfather is in it. Yeah. Dennis Day. He sings uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Quite well. Won't other cat be excited by this? <laughs> and then the following year, I was like, yeah, I've still got this DVD. And then year number three, and then you, by year four, you're like, put in the DVD! Yeah. Well, it's a great episode, and it's such dark humor at the end. Yeah. It takes a turn. (laughs) I mean, if we watched it more than once a year, we'd probably be sick of it by now. Yeah. But as it is, it's this once a year. So funny. The comedy is fresh and beautiful each time. Even if we know that when the jokes are coming now, the fact that we know it together is what makes it like a a nice tradition. Yeah. Uh, so everybody, I'm not as eloquent or bassy as Christopher Lee. You're pretty bassy though. I'm on my way. 
But I would also like to wish all of you at home, whatever your faith, wherever, <laughs> if you're listening to this on your computer or on an iPod or through your cellular telephone, or if uh, you're sitting next to somebody who's listening to it on their device and you're also hearing it, uh, I'd like if to If you're wish... a cricket on the hearth, <laughs> listening to someone listening to them. I wish a Merry Christmas, a Happy Holidays, a Season's Greeting, and a Happy New Year. And then after that would be like your Russian Orthodox New Year, and then the Chinese New Year. Uh, by which point we will uh, put out other episodes. <laughs> Indeed. I know. But thanks for listening in to episode 45. Wow. Of Boys and Ghouls. And Kat, till next time. Beware the moon. May I also wish you and yours a most merry Christmas and a prosperous and a happy new year. 